Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. How are you? You know, I, uh, I told someone today that uh, being hit by a bus would feel better than how I feel right now. So That's nice. That's doing a, great. Doing maybe great. don't do that, though. Just stay inside. It's better that way. <laughs> Just... Just don't leave your house. Yes. Um, I was thinking about going to the gym this morning. Who are you? Right. Um, but then I stayed up till one o'clock in the morning crying instead, which is way more on brand. Yes. Yes. Much more on brand. <laughs> Good choice. How about you? How are you? I am hot. So I am channel- channeling my inner darkness for movie today perfect and how mad i am about summer existing so i'm wearing a nice little movie scarf shawl thing that i got from a alamo draft house nice nice i'm also trying to be on brand what is the temperature where you are oh it's like 80 degrees but i haven't (laughs) partly my fault but i'm not taking any blame um okay i the way my apartment is set up you've seen it yeah Um, yeah. my heater is on one side and my air is on the other side so for winter i have to move my bed away from the heater so i can use it and the summer i have to move my bed and reorganize so i can use my ac and um i haven't done that yet because i don't live here i just sleep here i'm never here Right, right um you know, it's it's 83 here, but it feels lovely. Mm-hmm. Again, because I'm inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan um, of the heat at all. But otherwise, otherwise, I'm okay. I'm making it. I um, went and saw, I saw, I'm just going to tell you all the disappointing things in this episode, and, we'll, and then we'll move on. Okay. I went to birthday candles on Saturday. Yeah. And Deborah Messing was not there. <gasps> I know. How dare. It closed on Sunday, so I went out on Saturday because I was like, yeah, she'll be there. Her name's on the playbill, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's the last day before you close. What do you mean? Right. That's, that's what I said. That is bold, Deborah Messing. Yeah. So um, her understudy was fine, but like, even though I know this part originated before she did it, it was there before her. But this part was made for Deborah Messing. Like, it was just an okay show. I did sob for like 20 minutes at the end. It was very sad at the end. But it was just one of those shows that it's like, it's fine when you're watching it. And if Deborah Messing had been there because like she is Ernestine, like they are yeah. the same person. Yeah. It would have been nice, but uh but that's fine. So uh, I would say I don't recommend it, but it's closed now, so <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like literally everything closed yesterday. It did. Yes, everything. Mm-hmm. There is no Broadway. No. No Broadway. Except for Don't Worry, Phantom of the Opera is still open. Yep. Never going to close. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, Chicago, they're still kicking. Perfect. Don't worry. They both have shows tonight. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Really? It's a month? Oh, yeah. I guess Monday. Oh, Monday's not their night off. They're off on Wednesdays, I think. Phantom, Chicago. That is so... I totally get why 
they're not every theater in on Broadway has the same dark night because then like also people who are in shows can see other shows and like, so that there's always something running for tourists. Like I totally got the logistics of it, but like in my brain, Monday is dark night. Right. Right. Except for when Hamilton was here, they had shows on Monday because it was Christmas. And so they like didn't have shows on certain holidays for the Christmas break. And let me tell you all of us who work in a, touring house theater that always have dark Mondays we were very very confused <laughs> and disjointed and not a fan yeah um it happens it happens but um otherwise I um have some decent things to talk about now okay um first and foremost our um spiritual affirmation today which i'm so sorry to those of you who watched on sunday we did not have a spiritual affirmation because we also had 45 minutes to record an episode we're a mess we're sorry Um, we're good that's fine um well today loving is its own reward fuck off look i don't choose the cards the the cards choose us i can't i can't (sighs) Love is for suckers. It's stupid. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a scam. Fuck. Um, but you know, it's not a scam. Probably. Who knows? I don't know everything. Um, <laughs> I love it. The woman in black. The woman in black. Which is phenomenal. I loved it. I love that movie. It's really nice so i saw the movie so for context for anyone who hasn't kind of heard it i saw the movie for the first time in probably right when it came out so i want to say october 2000 no it was 2000 did it come out in 2012 yes so you did not watch it in 2011 no, no, no. I, I did watch it in 2000. Then I did watch it in 2012, but it wasn't October. It was t- sometime that I was in New York with Brent, but I don't remember which of the trips to see him that was. But I know it was before summer of 2012. So it had but to have been February. So it could have been any time. Yeah. So it was probably, I probably saw it like during my spring break. So that would have been like March or April of 2012, which makes sense because the movie was very new when I saw it. So that was the first time I saw it. And then when I was in London in July of 2012, which is why I know the movie had to, I had to see it first because I know I was in London in July of 2012. I got student rush tickets and got front row seats for the play, which at the time was the longest still running play in the West End. I don't remember if it ever actually beat the mousetrap um, but at the but the mousetrap wasn't running anymore when mm-hmm. I was there. So this was the longest currently running show mm-hmm. um, in the West End. And it um, fucked me all the way up to see it on stage. Then this February, or no, then in 2016, I convinced my little squad of my brother and all his friends um to watch it with me because I was like I won't be scared I've totally already seen this one before I know what it is and like um George was cuddling on the couch with the girl he was talking to at the one time at the time and then Joe was cuddling on the couch with 
um, two of our other girlfriends. And so this kid, Liam, was the only one who didn't have anyone to cuddle with. And I was like, it's okay, Liam, I got you. So I'm cuddling on the couch with this 18-year-old kid who, like, whatever. It was, I love Liam. Hi, Liam, I miss you. But um, then, of course, I was the biggest bitch in the room, despite the fact that I was the only one who saw the movie before we watched it, of course. Makes sense. And then in February this year, I took Courtney to see the stage version redone for the McKittrick Hotel. And then obviously I watched it again this week. And um, the third time's a charm because I didn't jump when I watched the movie this time. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, on that note, I'll give you a little rundown of all of the things, dates and whatnot when this started. Um, this all started from a book, as all the best things in the world do. Absolutely. Um, written by Susan Hill, who I have never read anything of hers before, and I would like to read more now. Yeah, I did read the book. I finished it Saturday when I got off of work at 1 in the morning. And um, yeah. it was excellent. It was very short. Um, it's 160 pages. I was going to say, it's not a long book. Yeah, very short. It is almost like they handed the book to someone on stage and said, just read this in front of people. Which I, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that the play is very, very close. It's, it's um, word for word a lot of the time. It is, there are very few things different in the play, in the book. Like, I was going to say, I, I think Susan Hill might be credited as the playwright for the mm-hmm. play. Yes. Okay. She has her hand in everything. Everything yeah. that happens, she's a part of. Yes. Um, good for her. Yeah. Which I'm I'm glad because the movie is very different. Yes. So I'm glad that she was still a part of it. Yes. Um, there are, when I did not know, two movies. Not first and second, two original movies. Yes. There is also a sequel to this one that I've never seen. Yes. But but there are two original movies. Yes. yes. So the original movie that came out. Oh, so first the play came out in 1988. Um, the book was came out in 1983. So pretty quick turnaround. Nice. Luckily, I'm telling you, this woman, she's a dream. Then the movie came out a year later and as should be, came out on Christmas Eve of 1989 because someone knows how to market. Um, yes. And it was, it was made for TV. So I have not seen it because I did not know it existed. Who, do, who is in that one? I will tell you in the future. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, do not look it up. Okay. In the future. And then our movie came out on February 3rd of 2012. And then the second movie came out in 2014. And the only thing I know about the second movie, because I never watched it, was that... Um, oh, God, what is her name? I feel so bad because she's dead now and I love her. Um, I know nothing. The, the woman who plays Narcissa Malfoy in, and I can't remember her name, but I know she's dead because one of the tributes in the Harry Potter special to her, like, fucked me all the way up. She was the lead in the second movie. Hmm. And I, like, because I remember I posted this whole long thing on Twitter about how, like, I was in front row for the play and I've met Daniel Radcliffe and she was in it and I'm in Slytherin. So like, basically I need to be in the next movie. Like I had this whole like Charlie day scatter plot of why I was connected to this play on Twitter one time. I like it. I like it. Um, so now to kick things off, 
this movie was rated incorrectly 6.4 out of 10. People did not like this movie, and I don't know why. The Metacritic score is 62. I, I don't know. I have no answers for you. No answers. The only thing I could find when I was trying to look up critic stuff is they said that the characters were undeveloped, but they said underdeveloped, but uh, they said the storyline and the production and everything was amazing. I'm like, why did you rate it so low then? Like, the characters weren't... I mean, the, char- the characters... There was... I don't think the characters were underdeveloped because I think the only two characters, I think the only characters that it matters are Arthur, Sam, and the woman. Yeah. And I don't think any of the three of them were underdeveloped. I agree. And I think the characters are milder because it's such a subtle horror film. Mm-hmm. And I think that must be what's wrong with people. That's what they, I'm They don't appreciate subtlety. Right. Which, Which is, is true based on the fact that Final Destination movies and Saw movies have higher ratings than things like this. Look, I also love the Final Destination movies, <laughs> but but the Final Destination movies could never be called subtle. No, that is, <laughs> that is not a word I would ever use to describe them. Um, and I think this movie is better, better written, better storyline. But I do like the Final Destination movies. Um, that was not really a jab at those yeah. movies. It was a jab at the way we interpret horror. <laughs> just people as a whole yeah yes fair um the number one song which adds up is we found love by rihanna yep that's That's, accurate that's right the number one movie is chronicle which means nothing to me is that it's a sci-fi movie esque sci-fi esque i don't think it's like true sci-fi was that no, now I'm thinking of Riddick, which is not the same no. thing. Okay. Nope. I do not know anything else about this one. I looked it up and I still do not know. Um, I was like an adult in 2012, though. Like, how did I not know this movie? Like, you know what I mean? How was something a number one movie and nothing? Nothing. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, so on this day... Only sad things happen. So I've pulled out pop culture references to tell you about. Instead. Fantastic. Um, rage comics had become popular. Okay. If you recall. Those were fine. And then um, the bad luck Brian meme was very popular at this time. Oh. This is the time it became God. popular. And last but certainly not least, our new phrase has arisen. Of YOLO. Oh. This is the time we're living in. This is our world. This is why this movie didn't do well. Right. Right. So. That explains everything. <laughs> yes. This we were not prepared for this as a culture. <laughs> no, we were not. So this is college for me and MK and uh, the world being ridiculous. So, yeah, this was, um, I was 19. It was about a month before my 20th birthday. I was probably intoxicated for the entire month that this movie was in the theater. I was, I think, in my first year of, what year is this? 2012. Yeah, I graduated 2011. So I was in the second, or the probably the third quarter of my first year as a music major. And I didn't know what life was outside of the music building because yeah, I was in my second semester as a sophomore theater major, which means I was intoxicated. 
all of the time. I was probably sleeping in the band room because I was just on campus from 8 a.m. Nope. I think I, this would be the semester that I was high for the entire semester. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Cool. It was cool. And uh, living in, living in my car. Drugs and alcohol. Had to drive 45 minutes both ways and uh, oh, I lived on campus had a thousand plus a day so I was uh, I was not drinking because I was driving <laughs> so that's good that good good life choices if I was drinking I was staying in Ruston which was not many nights <sighs> honestly I feel bad for everyone who didn't live on campus in college because I don't feel like you actually went to college if you didn't live on campus and just like fuck your life up. <laughs> but everything was so close in Reston that yeah. like, I mean, I didn't live on campus, but I moved in with uh, one of my music major friends starting out sophomore year. And then I didn't live at home again until the Christmas before I moved here. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the director is James Watkins. I have not seen anything he has done, but he has had very popular films such as Eden Lake, Bastille Day, and McMafia. I have seen none of those. He had some other stuff, but I haven't seen any of them. Um, I like him, I guess, from this one. One thing I've seen him of. I mean, this honestly, I, I don't care what the rating was. I think this movie is brilliant. I agree. I think it was so well done. And um, we'll get into it. And and there's so much subtlety. So much subtlety. Like, And there are things that I noticed for the first time this time, for the third time I watched the movie. Uh, So much. I was like, can I take a note of this second? Because I need to stare at the screen. Well, I didn't... I usually, when we do movies, I don't take running notes the same way I do with the TV episodes, but I did for this one. Mm-hmm. Not as many as I normally do for a TV show because I just was trying to like bullet my thoughts, but like I did it as running notes because I was like, there's just so much. There's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next I would like to mention Susan Hill who wrote the novel. Um, all of these people are from UK. I think they're all from England mm-hmm. specifically. Um, but I don't have a lot to say about her because she was, I mean, her life has revolved around this franchise. She yeah. has been involved in everything that's come out. She's amazing. Yeah. I'll read you a quote from her about writing because it's how I feel about writing. Oh, good. Good, good, good. She says, one of the nicest parts of being a writer is going to bed with a cup of cocoa or wine, a notebook, the telephone directory, and a dictionary of quotations. You can pretend to be working by looking for names for your characters or quotations for the title of your book. And I was like, if that doesn't explain how I write, where I just pretend like I'm writing by staring off into space or just have things nearby, hoping that it will encourage me to write. See, I love that because I wish that I was that kind of writer, but I'm the manic writer who I will write a novel in one sitting and then not write again for nine months. Yeah, I... um. I have to force myself to sit down a lot. But once I do, I like, I'm just all over the place. And I usually do have a hot beverage or a wine. I love that. I love that. Oh, love her. Um, 
The screenplay was written by Jane Goldman, who was not the first choice, but I thought was an excellent choice. Um, she is known for Kick-Ass, the Kingsman movie from 2014, and Stardust. Okay. Not seen any of them. Stardust yes. is one of the most underrated movies of all time. I Every time I hear something about Stardust, I just light up. I don't... That movie is so, so good. It's weird, and it's, like, strange, and I would never put it in, like, top 20 best-made films, but it is so underrated. It is so cute. It's about this girl who, like, is a star, and she falls to the planet, and then he has to, like, and then the guy has to take her back to where she can go back to be a star, but then they fall in love, and it's, it is adorable. I will watch it one day. I have it on DVD if you want to just come here. Okay, I'll be there eventually. Perfect. Um, I know her screenplays from... Wait, also, you've never seen Kick-Ass? I have not seen any of these movies, no. Interesting. But when they came out, I remember them existing. Yeah, no. Kick-Ass? I feel like you would like Kick-Ass. I think I would. It's weird. Yeah, I think I I would like it. Um, Sounds up my alley. But um, I know her from Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And she wrote the screenplay for various X-Men films, including Days of Future Past and that whole section of them. Um, So, yes, Jane Goldman. She's a winner in my book. Um, And now we'll start with, of course, Daniel Radcliffe. We all know him. We all love him. I've met him. I'm not, I am jealous and, and I knew that, but I'm telling you fun facts about him. Okay. In his movie career because we all know it. Yeah. So um, I know I've mentioned this before, but I love to tie it back to Bates. Sue Lattimore is his agent who is Freddie Highmore's mother, in case you've forgotten. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did forget that. You need back to Bates. Um, the child who plays his son, and Woman in Black is his godson in real life. And he chose him for the role. I did know that, actually. Well, I need you to stop knowing things. Sorry. But- no, that one That one is like, I, I never would have been able to pull that out of my ass right now. But I've definitely known that at some point. But you don't know. Okay. He received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on my birthday. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. I knew he had a star. I didn't know that he received it on your birthday. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, here is... One of my favorite facts from the whole thing. The movie Woman in Black, 1989, was originally performed, the role of Arthur Kipp was originally performed by Adrian Rollins. Do you know who he is? No, I know that name, but I don't know that name. He plays the father of Harry Potter. He is James Potter. Oh, shit, I did know that because James Potter and then he was in that one and then Narcissa is in the third one. And so I was like, it's just a Harry Potter family fuckery. So his dad played the 1989 role and he played the 2012 role. I love that. I also love that. It made me so happy when I learned about also, that. Also, speaking of weird Harry Potter connections, I have met Daniel Radcliffe when he was on How to Succeed in Broadway or in Business While was Trying on Broadway. Also, in 2012 in London, I met this man who played Henry V at the Globe Theater because we went to see Henry V in the Globe. 
And then when Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out, that man was cast as Harry Potter for the original <laughs> London cast. So I have met all of the Harry Potters. All the Harry Potters, except for the American one who we're questioning whether he was a good person or not. But like the, the British, all the British Harry Potters. I have <laughs> That's probably best. Just stick with all the British Harry Potters. They're better. Yes. Um, so now I'm going to give you a couple of more facts about a couple of the bigger roles. Um, Janet McTeer plays Mrs. Daly, mm-hmm. who I loved so much. Um, I have seen a couple of things she's in. She's known for Me Before You, mm-hmm. um, Allegiant, Ozark, which I have not seen yet, but everyone keeps telling me to watch. I need to see it because the main actor was my favorite character on a soap opera that I used to watch as a preteen and was my first like serious crush as a preteen. And are you talking about Jason Bateman? No, Tom Pelfrey. He's not the main, main guy, but he's okay. the, one of the main, no, he's one of the main guys, especially in season three. His arc is like the big one. It's Tom Pelfrey is in Ozark. Very weird choice for how to describe Jason Bateman. If that's No, 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 no. Tom <laughs> Pelfrey, who is not as well known, but played Jonathan Randall in Guiding Light. Oh, nice, nice. Um, she's also been on Jessica Jones. Yes. Which I have only seen the first season, but I loved. So I will definitely watch the rest of it one day. And then the last person I'm going to speak of, last but certainly not least, is Karen Hines, who plays Sam Daly. This guy. This guy. I love Karen Hines. His two roles that I've decided to choose mm-hmm. are naturally... Aberforth Dumbledore from Harry Potter. Absolutely. And Pabby from Frozen 2. Only the second one? He's in the first one too, but it just listed oh. Frozen 2 first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, you did not talk about her. The woman? Yes. But I wanted to say something because I was looking at her the other when I watched the movie and I remembered seeing something that made me want to say it but now i cannot remember she is listed very far down in the credits yes, she is. um but her name is liz white mm-hmm. and where sometimes i forget how to use the imdb app i was gonna keep with the spirit and not mention her but i guess it's okay if we talk i mean at this point what was i gonna say? what did she she was in a couple things I'd seen. She was, oh, she was in an episode of Doctor Who. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I mean, I've seen this movie how many times and I didn't realize until yesterday. I go, oh shit, yeah, she was. Okay. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that as an actor, she was still credited in the movie, but her credit is not the woman. I know. It's Jeanette. And it's Jeanette and it's way far down in the list of credits. And I was like, I love that because for those of you who have never seen the stage show, the woman is not credited at all. There's no mention. No mention of her at all. Um, A fun fact about the woman, um, she does not do all of the scenes because in the scene where Daniel Radcliffe is falling asleep in the chair in the study, um, and that black mist comes up over him. Mm-hmm. It was actually his girlfriend at the time, uh, Rosie Coker, I think was her oh, last. Oh, okay. Yeah, fun fact. I stumbled upon that. And I was like, that's weird. Um, that is weird. So now 
let's do it. Okay. This film starts out as any creepy film should, I guess, with three small children and creepy music and toys and dolls. My note says creepy ginger kids with dolls is a solid start to any horror movie. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And naturally, they all leap out of the window. Now, did you see the woman in the room? Not in the beginning. Okay. So this time that I saw the movie was the first time that I realized that you could see her in the room in the opening scene. The first two times I did not notice it. And this time I go, holy shit, she's there. She's always there. Even when you can't see her, she's there. I also thought this was a fun, fun is a word, I guess, choice. Um, Because three in many religions is the defined number. And so naturally, that's what we should use for Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. They all die. Yes. Um, And then we go into subtle visions of a wedding, um, which was an interesting choice. I don't know that I would have placed this here. Um, I don't know that it was necessary, but it was nice visually. It was nice visually, and I think that it... um, People like to say that there's no character development. I think those flashbacks are everything you need to know about Arthur's character. Of course, yeah. I mean, like that that is his character development. Like, is it the best way you could have done it? Probably not. But it's the flashbacks and the the combination of the wedding and the happy and then the sad and then the way that they used the white and the black against each other. Like, that's everything you need to know about his character. Absolutely. As I mean, an art, as an art piece. Him face forward it looks like he's about to kill himself yeah i mean it was i am like getting chills thinking about how this was shot because it was so i genuinely was like i don't think i've ever seen daniel in a movie where he wasn't playing a sad sack piece of shit though like i have he did the tv show it was a tv show not a movie okay so um oh shoot what was it called it's on oh 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 the one where he's Dancing as a prostitute. Um, not really, but he's in the bar. No. Oh. <laughs> no, I the, mir- the miracle worker. The miracle no. worker. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. That was- I mean, okay. obviously, and obviously I've seen him on Broadway not being sad, but like his movie roles like this and the Harry Potter and horns and like he just plays really depressed, lonely men really, really well. Which is very sad for him, even though he seems to have a very happy life. But it was also really sad for me because um, seeing the fact that Arthur was um, functioning a functioning alcoholic in that first opening scene was really heartbreaking when you know that Danny Radcliffe was a functioning alcoholic <laughs> for the last half of the Harry Potter series. Yeah, I think it was still, maybe it was 2010 when he cleaned up. It was, it was because I, he was already sober when I saw him on Broadway. Okay. Which okay. was in 2011. Okay. That's what it was. I was thinking, I was trying to remember. I was like, I know. Yeah. But I mean, like he, I mean, there are times in the last two Harry Potter movies where his face is devoid of emotion because he was too drunk to film. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, I'm telling you like 10 minutes into this film and 
everything has been like your heart's been broken there's been dark light it's just i don't understand i don't understand the critics they're wrong they're wrong they're wrong yes um so speaking of sadness um his yes this was the first time i had a question okay for you okay um because I was curious about the book. I didn't realize how close the book was to the play. And I don't remember his dead wife being mentioned at all. So here's the thing. Yeah. Yes. This is where we get our first sense of completely abandoning part of the story from the book. Um, I'll, I'm going to tell you the next scene and then we'll talk about it. Okay. So he walks out and there's the woman who I thought was still at the time. Who's not, she's the nanny who is not, in the book or, or stage play. Um, and his son is there and he is drawing a picture of him and he just draws him sad and he draws mommy in heaven. And he's like, why did you draw me sad? And he's like, because that's your face. I'm that's like, what your face looks like. I was like, Ugh. all so, of the tears. This is our first deviation that kind of sets me on a track of like, I kind of wish it stuck closer to the book for the ending. I get why it didn't. Yeah. Um, he does not have a son at this point in time in the book or the film. He doesn't. He Stella is his wife, who he's married to in the book and film, but we don't see her. I mean, the book is not stage play, but we don't see her because she's back home and he's going to London and he's telling it as a memory. Right. Okay. So the the play, the book is basically the same format of the play where he's talking about the stuff that has already happened to him. It is. I'm telling you, it is almost identical. Okay. The difference is. In the play, he's telling it as a play to this group of people. And in the book, he's telling it as a Christmas Eve story to his family. That is well, like... Oh, but in in the beginning of the play, he talks about how he told this... He wants to tell his family this story. And then the guy's like helping him not tell it like a loser. That's how he, it becomes a play. Um, So it's... Pretty much. Okay. So, because, yeah, because I... um Obviously... The character Arthur Kipps in the book and play has kids. Yeah, That's, I don't want to discuss the end until we. No, get no, no, I, I won't. But he he has kids because the the story doesn't make sense truthfully if he has no kids, um, because of what the woman stands for. Well, he didn't have kids when he went at to- the t- no at the time he didn't have kids. But like his character and the still carrying the trauma mm-hmm. doesn't make sense if he doesn't have kids. Yeah, so he did have a son. But his son was not born. He didn't even get, Stella wasn't even pregnant until he got back from Ilmarsh. Okay. The ending of the play in the book is six years after he's been at Ilmarsh, whereas this is like leaving Ilmarsh. Yeah. I think in general, the movie went way more into the children aspect of it, which I liked as a movie. It wouldn't have made sense in the play. So I like, but I also don't think that the play, while scary, would have been enough content for a whole movie. So I liked that what they added to the movie was consistent to the characters, didn't deviate from the story, but still made it just that little bit scarier that you need in a movie. I I was okay with that part of the story. Yeah. It's like one subtle thing that I was like, man, I wish this would happen instead, but I get it. Once you got to the end, then you were like, oh, okay. No, no. At the end, I was like, oh, one thing was missing. But oh. yeah, I'll get to it. Okay. So, 
Um, yeah, so that's where I was going to talk about that. Um, so now we are off to Alice Travelers. He talked about, he talked to his boss, um, his boss and everything. And he's kind of a jerk, but whatever. Um, he did not come off as much of a jerk in the book or the play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he talked much in the book as much as he did in the play, but or as much as we saw about him in the play. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we have, <laughs> is it off to Alice Travelers? And I said, JK, quick flashback. And um, we have this quick flashback to Stella screaming. And it is very sad because she, we find out she has died in childbirth. And that's when I realized that this woman was the actual like nanny. I couldn't, I couldn't decide where the order of things went for a minute. Right. I was trying to place it with the book and the, the play. And then I'm like, Oh, duh. yes. Nanny's still around. <laughs> um, she is stuck around. Um, yeah. So then we, uh, we are on the train going to Elmarsh and we meet daily for the first time and sweet spider the pup oh yes precious um i love that it's the same kind of dog that it is in the play they did they did very well at sticking to the things they stuck to like yeah if they weren't like this is we're not quite there yet but one thing that is so stupid but it like made me so happy is that the sound of keckwick's uh carriage is the same as the play like that's a dumb thing to like have continuity with but it was perfect it's so stunningly written and produced um so i did tell him maybe he should not talk to strangers um because he just so casually is talking to daily and he's like can i give you a ride he's like sure i'll take a ride from this person i've never met in this place i've never been like psa psa do not get in cars with strangers. I just listened to a podcast about hitchhiking murders last night. So, like, yes, definitely don't do that. Truly. Um, so we do like Sam Daly, but we are not advocating. At least I like Sam Daly, but I'm not advocating hitchhiking. <laughs> right. Um, so we make it to Gifford Inn. And this is the next big difference I saw from the book and stage play. Um, I guess it wasn't as strong in the stage play, but in the book, this was pretty big. Um Gifford is a jerk to him. He is mad. He's there. He's sending him home. He's like, you can't be here. He's not going to find him a like place to stay. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the book and everything, he welcomes him. He gets him set up and he's like, stay here. You know, and I think like- they made Gifford's wife that character instead. Like Mrs. They- Gif- Mrs. Gifford in the movie was the one who was like, no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in the book, everything was fine. It was very, very copacetic. They weren't like trying to run him off because it doesn't deep dive into children the same way. Right. I was going to say, because the, the anger that Mr. Gifford has doesn't exist in the book in the way, same way because you didn't watch his three children throw themselves out a window. Because they didn't in the book. Right. right. <laughs> These people didn't have children referenced in the book or if they did they were still alive right so it's a different it's a different atmosphere 
but I understand why that choice was made for the movie and I do like it for them. Yeah. I, I did have a thought that was not really a criticism of this movie, but of horror movies in general. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why everyone in horror movies is always fucking weird. Like, why can't you just go to a town and everyone acts perfectly normal and then you still die? Like, why does everyone have to sort of be weird and make you aware that you're going to get murdered? Like, horror movies are meant to be fictionalized and they don't want to it's supposed to be an escape still even though it's supposed to be horror right don't want to address real life they don't want to address the fact that in real life everything's fine and then you're murdered i i truly think that's why they because it is meant to be an escape everyone in this town was just so fucking weird right off the bat like right off the bat this poor kid comes in here to do work has no idea doesn't know any of the rumors doesn't know any of the history has barely made a dent in the paperwork and they're just like get the fuck out of here and he's like whoa he's a lowly solicitor just trying to get to a house and get some paperwork right that's all he wants it is wild um so they put him in the attic because and i wrote yay creepy triple suicide room <laughs> correct you don't know how i would have approached it that way <laughs> you are not incorrect um there's a doll without a head and um lots of creepy toys around him there's a creepy bird um and we learn and then we like realize that you know oh so we don't yet this was my mental comment sorry i'll come back to that um at this point we don't know why everyone in town is mad at him we just think they're crazy and Um, and at this point when you see that that's the room that they're in that he's in you obviously know that the giffords have some trauma but like you don't quite get what he has to do with it Right, like why he's at fault here when he right. showed up to this town for the first time. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Jerome, who, again, in the book and play, becomes basically his right-hand man to get everything done. He tells him, he takes him to the funeral, he tells him everything. This guy doesn't want No, yes. But Jerome is still not in the, even in the play, he's still like, he takes him to the funeral, but he won't go to the house and he won't have oh, yeah. the paperwork. He's still weird. He's still weird, but he doesn't act like he hates him and tries to send him home. He's just like, I'm not going there. Yeah. I'm not going to be doing any of that. Um, and I believe Jerome is the one in the book and play who gave him spider to you. No, it's still daily. Was it still daily? Okay. It's still daily. That, Cause I have a note about the fact that I'm impressed at the fact that all of the characters are who they're supposed to be like Kakwa daily Jerome. Like it's all the same names. It's all the same characters. And like, there are slight differences to fit this storyline, but everyone is still, it's not like sometimes you have books that then like when you come a movie, you like merge two characters together for some reason, or you like give this character, this character is like plot. And this did not do that. All of the characters were still the same people and motivations as they were in the play. We're looking at you, Riverdale. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Um, Bless you. So everyone's running him off at this point. And he's like, go outside. Kekwick's taking you back to the train station now. I've paid him. Just go get in his um, trolley thing. What is it called? 
carriage? Carriage. I don't, carriage. <laughs> I don't know if they use a different word for it, but I think they called it like a something else, but it, carriage is what yeah. it is. Um, and he's taking you back to the train station. So he goes out and he's trying to, um, he's like, I, he was like, change your plans. We're going to Elmarsh. He's like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, uh, he's like, oh, he was like, I've already been paid to take you to the train. And he's like, well, I'll pay you. And he like pulls out a coin and then he's like, I'll take six, six shilling. I meant to look up how money translates. I have no idea. I don't remember. Cause they don't use shilling anymore. Right. In London, they use pound, but they still use pence. So pence is like a penny mm-hmm. and then a shilling is like a dollar, but it's not. So like six shilling would be like six pound, but like not, I mean, six pounds now is like $12 US, but obviously we're talking the early 19th century. Right. So that's not quite what it would be. But yeah, it's like 10 bucks. Gotcha. Okay. I'm glad you have a sense of money because I don't. Um, um, I have been to England and had to spend money there. So that's the only reason I'm good with that. Fair. Um, and then we have the carriage ride that takes us to Il Marsh. And it is oddly reminiscent of the stage show. Like it was so similar. I mean, they sat in the same order. They sat in the same like way. The carriage moved in the same way, the same sounds. It was incredible. It was so well done. Oh, good. And uh, I want every critic that hated this movie to read the book and go see the stage play and then rewatch this movie and come talk to me. Right. I will leave my phone on 24-7. I don't care where you live. You can call me and I will tell you you're wrong. And anyone who hated this movie, um, you're wrong. But also, I would love to hear your actual reasons why you hated it, because yes. clearly um, we have an opinion, but mm-hmm. our opinion is also based on a lot of experience with it. So, like, if you only saw the movie and had no idea that it was connected to anything else, I would love to hear your take. Yes. yes. I, I did try to watch this movie fresh. Like, I, obviously, I read the book. I saw the play. So, like, I know the storyline. Yeah. But I like to look at it with, like, a, an open, like, view or whatever. And I think I still would have liked it, even if I had only seen the movie. Well, I saw the movie first, and I right. loved it. And I, I liked the movie enough to then want to see the play. And then, obviously, the play changed my life. But, like, I liked the movie enough to be like, that is a play I would see. And I don't like horror. Right. So, like. I think, and I think that's probably a lot to do with it, is it again the subtleness it wasn't yeah in your face horror that you're that people are like i'm gonna go watch it and i'm like no thanks no i'm gonna go watch m night Shyamalan. and also we might be the only two people who love m night Shyamalan on the planet so like there's that we're not <laughs> but still we're still right correct <laughs> and it's our podcast so we can say that we get to make all the rules here facts <laughs> um so then we show up Bill Marsh, which like is a name. I'm <laughs> it's just it's a choice. It is a choice. Um, um when he first gets there and he's walking around though, I just said I am far too jumpy a motherfucker for this. I would be gone swimming back at the first noise. Like absolutely I could not. I wouldn't even make it that far. Um he walked in and I couldn't tell, but it looked like there was like an animal hanging from the ceiling. I don't know if it was fabric or something. I- I think it was just the chandelier 
had like a covering on it. It was like, but it was like long and skinny. It was like a dead rabbit. Oh, I did not see that. I don't, I, I believe you, but I did not see I that. I don't think that's what it was, but that's what it looked like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I just saw the chandelier and the creepy paintings. Oh, yes, yes. Those were also terrifying. Um, and then this is the first time we know we actually see the woman. And it is terrifying. Like, oh, wait. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, I have a lot of notes before I wrote first spooky bitch sighting. So I'm trying to figure out what they were. Um, Oh, the room that he has to work in absolutely has the haunted mansion wallpaper. That was my note. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it isn't exactly but it's that dark purple with like the bat I was like that is absolutely the haunted mansion oh and then birds in a fireplace not a shocking thing at all not surprising happens in my fireplace mm-hmm. the fact that it was a full grown raven really tripped me out yes <laughs> I was like that bird is too big to be coming out of that fireplace like that I would have shit myself right there yes. um, well you know raven is death Yes. Um, so they're only my favorite bird. It's fine. Adds up. Um, yeah. So he sees her, and it is like sent chills. And the thing about it is, it's still daytime. She is not touching him. She is not near him. She's out the window. He is outside. And I still got chills when I saw her. Like, that's how terrifying this movie is like it's it's sticking with me like yeah i was able to sleep thankfully but it's so rough i Um, wasn't the first time i watched it i was not able to sleep that night i believe that i believe that a lot um i I, I also the third time that i watched it this last time that i watched it is the only time i watched it during daylight Mm. which probably had a lot to do with how i felt I was going to say I did watch it at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. So, yeah. Maybe so it does change that. I mean, it's still, I mean, I had chills and it was daylight here and in the film. So, like, right. Like, it was definitely like did something. Um, and then we start seeing the death papers, which in the book and stage show are revealed much later what they say. But I like that they introduced it early on because it, it does add to the story. Well, but this time we only see Nathaniel's. We don't see Janet's yet. Yeah, so we see Nathaniel's. We see that a small boy has died and his body has not been recovered. And uh, I just put truly everything in this house looks terrifying. Even, I mean, another divinity, I guess, is the three monkeys that were found in the closet. Yeah. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And they're considered the golden rule. And um, they're covered in dust and hidden away in a cupboard. So if that doesn't say something. Facts. So um, also, you see this house is like so covered in dust and everything. And I was like, she has been dead a month. Not a century. 
So she was living in the house this way, which is super creepy, which makes me think she did not go in her house. She was just in one area. Well, here's the other thing. Um, She's been found dead a month. Yeah. How long ago did she actually die? Because nobody went out there to see her. Well, she wasn't decomposed or anything. So like, Mm. well, they don't, they don't really touch on that in the movie as much. Yeah. I would think if her house was found like this, she would have had to have been decomposed at least some. Yeah. Um, I definitely get Miss Haversham vibes. I know that name. Great Expectations. Oh, it's my favorite book of all time ever. So that's rude. Um, no, but Miss Haversham is a character in the book who gets left on her wedding night and then never, ever, ever gets rid of it. Like she's still living in her wedding dress with her rotting, moldy wedding cake on the table. Like she like never leaves that night. That feels right. Yeah. Yep. I do want to read that book now. Um, so... This is also where the thudding begins, which is creepy all of the time. All of the time. All the time. No matter if you're seeing it in the stage play, if you're reading it, if you're watching the movie, it's creepy every time. And uh, we also see, start seeing sightings of the woman subtly. I don't know if you caught her in this next scene. But she was, you could see, like, half of her in the bathroom when he's, like, panning by. Oh, yeah. And that was the first time I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to really pay attention. Because she's just going to show up all the time. All the time. And it was so scary. But I don't like dead women in bathrooms. They have creepy vibes, like The Shining. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that's all I could think about was the creepy woman in the bathroom in The Shining. Um. What does that word say? I'm so sorry. I don't know. Okay, so this is the baby bird scene. You jumped yeah, ahead. I did, but that's because she wasn't. No, because the raven was happening at the same time as he saw her. Yeah. At the For the first time. Oh, that's not the first time he saw her then. He saw her. We saw her another time. Well, we see her, but the first time he's for sure that he sees her. Like, he thinks he's oh, seeing yeah. things, but the first time that he is for sure that he saw her was when the raven was in the fire. The first time we see her, I think, is in the mirror. That's what yes. I put The first time we see her. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. The first time, because we see her in bits and pieces, the first time he is sure that he saw another person is when the raven happens. So that's why it was so terrifying in the first two, because it was, like, in, the, in a mirror or something. It was, like, a quick flash, and it was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Da, 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 da. We talked about this. Oh, and I'll put, uh, the horse and screams. Because that is the next thing we hear after he sees the woman and she disappears. And that is very creepy. And so he hears the horse and buggy and the screaming child and the screaming woman. And he like runs outside of the fog, which was also an excellent scene. It's, it is excellent. It's also pretty spot on for the audio from the play. Yes, it is. It is. I would not be surprised if they used like, at least for this version of the play, they might've just used the audio straight from the movie. Yeah, for sure. For the, the play that happened before, obviously no, but for this, this retelling of the play, they could have just used the audio straight from the movie. Yeah. And, um, 
he's wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. And Keckwick creepily appears in the fog. I was like, why are you being so creepy? Like, I know it's like to play up because he's not actually being creepy. Right. Quiet and stoic and like just comes and goes when he needs to. But the way that they portrayed him was so creepy. I was like, okay, he's not that creepy. <laughs> this is just a creepy scene. Um, I'm trying. Oh, at one point during all of this, while he was walking around the house, I said that I liked the audio and the play better, actually. Because I didn't feel like it, it was as anxiety-inducing in the movie, but that's because then they do that much, much more later. Right, right. Yes. I, uh, I agree. That's why I didn't mention it <laughs> at the beginning. So I was like, ah, this wasn't something hardcore. Um, and now we're back at Gifford in... And he's hoping to stay in this creepy attic room for like four more days. And yeah. then and he's talking to Jerome about the kid who was never found. And then we hear these kids yelling. And this tiny child has just drink has just drunk lie. I should put one down. This was where I was like, the play definitely did not go into all the dying children. That was not. Because it turns out, when you see the woman, a child dies. And that is where the story goes. Unfortunately, no one told Arthur this. No. They're just like, we hate you, leave. Now you have it, we hate you more, because you've killed children. And he's like, I have no idea what you're saying. Correct. Um... And he, of course, sees the child die and everything. And this is the first point, if you hadn't read the book, if you hadn't seen the play, I feel like this is the first moment you would start to understand what was happening. I don't know if that's true. I, you definitely, yeah, I'm trying to remember back to the first time I saw it and the, how the kids think. Because the first time I didn't, I saw it, I didn't see the woman in the opening scene. I knew that there was something fucking weird about kids in this town, but I didn't necessarily know the connection to the woman. Like I didn't, the why didn't make sense. The what was happening made sense, but the why didn't make sense yet. Yeah. So I, uh, I thought that it seemed a little more inclusive stuff but this makes more sense why they hate him so much because everyone goes inside and drags their kids in and looks at it and i was like okay oh no why what the why the people thought but like so i knew that there was something to do with the house and the kids and like but the the why it was happening or the how it was happening still didn't make sense yeah but i was i was well why the adults hated him yes this made sense at this point that's what started clicking i was like this is the moment where it's like oh right they hate him Yes. Um, and then, yeah, so then he goes back inside and we hear a woman sobbing. Turns out it is a bird that's staying in the attic with him. And um, he's now been invited to the dailies for dinner. Um, and we learned that their child has also died. And I said, cool, everyone's kid died. Why don't they just leave town? Like, it wouldn't have mattered. But right. 
I'm like, why didn't they just leave? And we see Miss Daly is trying to like, she's got these dogs that she's treating as her babies. And she's just casually talking about her son dying and then how he likes to sketch. And I then, was like, holy balls. I forgot how crazy she was. Like, that's one of the things I forgot because it isn't part of the plot in the right. other versions. I forgot that she was just batshit crazy. Yeah. And she starts like, quote unquote, channeling her son and like losing it. And I was like, so like, I don't blame her per se. Like, she knows she can't have any more kids or they're going to die. And her one kid that she had did die tragically and so like i get it and then he's like get the medication and he put this rag over her face and i just went wait he chloroformed that bitch he chloroformed that bitch so hard chloroform because i don't think so (laughs) but also this is when they like probably put cocaine and coke still so like probably yeah Probably normal. Um, I mean, when people were going to pass out, you just put smelling salts under their nose. Like, that's 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 the era we're at. Right. Right. Several times. Drugs. Um, and then I also made a comment here. We, we see uh, Arthur Kip going through, like, some, like, papers with his son and everything, thinking about his son. And I was like, Daniel Radcliffe still looks really young in this scene. Like... It's so surprising to me that he's playing a husband and father because this is also the first film he did after Harry Potter. Yeah. He's like, I mean, he's what, like 22, 23 at this time? Yeah. He's not like a child, but I mean, like. Yeah, because the, fir- the first Harry Potter movie came out in 2001. He so. was a came out because he started with the film franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, he was 11 when it filmed. He wasn't necessarily 11 right. when it came out. So even let's say he was 12 when the movie came out in 2001. That means that in 2012, he's, yeah, 23. Yeah. So he just, he looked, I was like, this was kind of a strange choice for this film. Although I thought he did an excellent job. And I like that it has all the connections that it does with the other yeah. movies and stuff. So I didn't think it was a terrible connection. I mean, I didn't think it was like a terrible choice. I just thought it was a strange choice. I just, the thing that was the strangest choice for me was how they did his hair to make him look older. Yeah. That was a that was a choice. That was a choice, um, for sure. Um, oh, so yeah, so he's walking around the house, and this was where I got upset the first time. You know how everybody's always like, if I was in a horror movie, I would not fucking stay. He was walking around the house, and then he goes back down to the dining room and sees the image that she carved into the table, and it's an image of him hanging. And I was like, why would I would not spend the night in a house where this lady just carved my death into the dining room table? Right. And she's by and he's walking by while she's cooing in her dogs in their cradles. It's uh like I mean, I have a dog and I love her dearly. I'm not putting her in a cradle or singing her to sleep. I'm not treating her like a child. No, no, no. Even if she acts like a toddler sometimes. (laughs) Um but yeah, but I mean, again, I feel bad for her. Like it's not. Oh no, no, no. I don't think she's, here's the thing, real life. Like that is a trauma that I could not even imagine. Plus the supernaturalness of it all. Like she has every right to be batshit crazy. Yeah. But as a viewer rooting for the protagonist of a film, get the fuck out of there. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, so he's going back to the town and everyone's like hiding from him. And I was like, I understand you're not thrown. He's there because he's bringing about this trauma, but also why are you hiding from him? Because no matter what you do, this is going to be fate. Like you could just stare at him for 10 days and it would change. Nothing would change. Like they don't, they don't know that. Like, because he's the one who saw the woman, not them. So like it's kids that he's in contact with. So they're trying to protect their kids. Yeah. So it's like, okay. But uh, then we go downstairs. He's trying to find Jerome. And he goes down in his house and there is a locked basement door with someone behind it. And it turns out he has been keeping his child locked away in there. I was like, that's one way to keep your kids safe. Or not. But it's very creepy. And that poor child. Well, we find out later that they had a, he had another child who already died. So this was like reactionary. So then we're going back to Elmar. She's trying to get Daly to take him there. We come up on this mob and they're like, you can't ever go back. You're killing our kids. And he's like, what is going on? He's like, I have not killed anyone. I don't know why everyone's yelling at me. And Daly ends up telling him uh, what's, what's been going on. And he says he doesn't believe in it. He's like, I'm taking you because you have a job to do. I don't believe any of this is true. Yeah. We're just going to keep going. He gets back to the house and it is one of the creepier scenes. Um, He's staring out the window and her face and hand just appear out of nowhere. And I almost jumped out of my skin. Um, I thought I was going to die. I did not have a heart attack, but I thought I was going to. Um, and as of now, his spider with him, um, daily left spider with him to quote unquote, keep him company, <laughs> which fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, and at this point he's just hella chilling. Like the woman's outside still spiders, like laid out, like nothing. And, uh, he looks at this what is it? It's like a spinning film. Is that what it's called or something? Oh, yeah. No. So first he's walking around the house because he thought he saw something. So he's like following it. And I was like, yo, Daly specifically said, don't chase shadows. And then you chase yes. all of the shadows. Yes. Yeah. So then he's got this. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but it's like the thing where it's individual photographs. But when you spin it, it becomes a film and there's a name for it. And I don't remember what it is. And it just reminds me of Tarzan. Yes, I uh, I did not know what I couldn't remember what I was called either, but he spins it and then you just see her face flash up. That, the eye effect in that spinning thing might be one of the greatest special effects I've ever seen. Absolutely. It was so creepy. And that's the one that stuck with me the most, mm-hmm. like, for sure. Like, I mean, she's creepy in a lot of places. <laughs> she's but- creepy in a lot of places, but that one was like the one true jump scare in the movie. And it was done perfectly because yep. he'd been seeing all these things and then they weren't there and seeing these things and then they weren't there and there was the whole face in the mirror things or in the window thing so you kind of thought like you were just going to be another shadow and then it fucking wasn't it was the most unexpected yeah i felt like for sure 
Um, and so then he's going through the paperwork when Spider starts barking. Um, I want to get through. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. While he's going through the paperwork, he's like looking at it and there's like scribbling all over all of this paperwork. And I was like, once you figured out that these papers were the ramblings of a mad woman, why did you not just immediately be done with it and say, okay, I've got the paperwork I need. Right. I think because then he was invested. I think he got too curious. Curiosity killed the cat. Facts. Have you never heard that? I know this is the 1900s, but I'm pretty sure that's been around for a minute. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so I just kept, like, it was like, she's behind you because he kept being like, where is she? Where is she? And I was like, she's behind you. Like, why are you not around ever? Yeah. Um, and then it decides to go uh, wander the grounds because he hears something. Why? Yeah. So no. walking through the graves and we see Nathaniel's grave and then we see Jeanette's grave. Now, the thing about Nathaniel's grave is that Nathaniel's grave says, son of Alice and so-and-so Drablo. And there are claw marks all across Alice's name. And that shit is fucked up. Yup. If that doesn't tell you how, how she really feels. Right. I was like, once you know the end of the story, that is absolutely makes sense but also there's this terrifying moment there like somebody was able to scratch those into granite and that's what's chasing you good luck yeah yeah you've got this probably and um so and he turns around and she's in the window of course because of course she's in the window um of course um i I was like just do your job and go home because he immediately goes back in and starts searching for her again and yes not to be fair when he goes back in and he starts rereading his papers this was the one time where i was like i get it because if i was reading tea that fucking messy about somebody's family i would also stay to find everything out like i want to believe that i would not run away but that is that tea is piping i think i would leave i do think i would take everything with me like <laughs> me to answers, but i am such a scaredy cat when it goes when it comes to stuff like that i would not be able to stay there but i absolutely would take all of the papers with me um no questions asked i'm sorry my computer's dying let me plug it in real fast um so then we finally get jeanette's story yes and it turns out she was nathaniel's mother who was then um alice who was her sister convinced everyone that she was crazy which uh, maybe and uh alice well, and her husband was charles yeah and also in the play we get a little bit more context of the fact that Jeanette was unwed and knocked up and couldn't raise the kid and so alice took him initially to protect her sister right Jeanette didn't take it that way right and in the film it looks like Alice convinced everyone that she needed to be in a mental institute and she took her child. I mean, yeah, fair. I mean, both of those things are probably true. Yes, probably. Um, And we learn in in this version, she hung herself um, is how she died. Yeah. I don't think they stated it as clearly in the book or play. I think they just said that she died from a mental illness. 
they did say that she took her own life because of mental illness, but they don't say how. Yeah. But you have that visual medium in the movie that you don't have otherwise. And it makes sense that she killed herself in the nursery. Right. Right. So, uh, uh, the last few scenes, like I've noticed a lot, there have been a lot of subtle changes in the lighting Mm -hmm. and shows and it's just, also, this is the first time we really get the rocking chair sound, and I was thrilled. Yep. And uh, he's following the creaking, and we get the sound, and we don't know where it's coming from. And at this point, I said it's just like a horror version of Where's Waldo. He's searching for her, can't find her. I don't know why he's looking for her. Why are people looking for Waldo? No one knows. Let him live his life. Just let her live her life. And to be gone. But good luck with that. Yeah, truly. Um, I really wanted him to kick in the door, like police style. He did not. I knew he wasn't going to because that would have been too intense for the scene. Yeah. Yeah. But I would have laughed so hard. I don't know why, but just like that visual came to me. Um, and so he goes to chase the shadows. And when he comes back with an, a- an axe or a hammer, um, I don't remember. Yeah, some tool to open the door. The door is just open. So naturally, he goes in there because that's what you do when a door opens. So this is when I wrote, "I swear the people in horror movies deserve to be killed." Yes, and we learn it's the rocking chair making this noise. And I will say, as creepy as the scene in the rocking chair was, I think it was creepier in the stage play because you couldn't see it. Yes. Well, I mean, and then eventually you could see the rocking chair rocking by itself, but you couldn't see the rocking chair in the place. So you just had this build up and build up and build up. And there was less build up in the movie. But, but I, I will say the, her, the like shot of her actually like hanging and dying and screaming definitely made up for the fact that the rocking chair wasn't as creepy. Very much, very much. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, you saw her face when the rocking chair went back one time, her face was in it. That made up for it for me. Um, truly, anytime her face showed up, I was like, and there's the horror again. I'm so scared. I, the, the scare effects in this movie are some of the most brilliant done because they don't look cheesy. They don't look like they're obviously see her face is obviously CGI'd into a lot of shit, but like, it doesn't look fake. It looks terrifying. It looks so real. It looks, I mean, it's done better than some horror movies I've seen the past couple of years. And this was 10 years ago. Right. And it was so creepy nothing ever felt illogical which is they take a lot of leaps in horror mm-hmm. now because they have all these crazy scenes and they yeah heavily on um the supernatural and stuff like that which is fine that makes a fine movie but this movie the only thing is do you believe in ghosts or not that's the only thing it ha- it like yeah. made question everything else very clearly could have happened yeah and i mean you know if you believe in ghosts angels demons whatever like this movie could fit into so many people's belief or disbelief like mm-hmm. even the highest skepticals could have a belief that follows up with this could happen type thing yeah and so i think that's what also made it more terrifying was that it was so realistic still um and so then he starts tearing off the wallpaper because he sees something under like a lunatic and um 
he all these and all these toys are going off around him and uh the i didn't write down what it it was one of the taglines oh she, what was on the wall yeah you didn't say you could you could have saved him you could have saved him yeah um so uh all these toys are going off and i was like i don't know why they had this for children's toys because as a child those toys not going off by themselves just being regular toys would have terrified me. Okay. And in this, in the play, they also had a music box going off by itself, but the music box played like more lullaby music in the play, which was creepy enough. This music box was A, a clown. And B, played really happy music. And somehow that fucked me up even more. Yes. It was uh, not great for my mental health. No, no, no. Very scary. Neither were the image of all the dead children standing outside the house while he tried to run away from the music box. Um, but before he runs out of the house, oh, okay, he's looking out the window and something is coming out of the mud. And I said, is that the woman or a small child? Because it's too far away to really make a distinction, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a small child, a muck baby. Yes, that is... A very bad title for child. <laughs> but not incorrect. Just don't love it. So he starts hearing knocking on the door. The tide is over or whatever where you can't go through. Um, yeah. So he's like, who is here? Is it this woman I keep seeing? And uh, Spider's barking at the door and it stops and they start trying to open the knock. And it is like real trying to open the door knob. Mm-hmm. This is terrifying. So naturally, he opens the door. It's like, why? Why would you ever open the door? You've been having all these crazy experiences. You've been seeing people outside, whether they're real or not. Why would you open the door? To see all the dead muck babies. Yes. And this is when he runs outside and sees all of the dead babies that have died because of the woman and you see the girl who drank the lie. You see um, uh, children that you don't recognize yet, but you'll recognize by the end. You see the girls. The three girls. You see uh, Daly's son. Yeah, but I don't... Oh, you have seen him already, yeah. Yeah, because we saw the painting of him. We saw the painting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, very creepy. And uh, this is a scene that they replaced a different scene with. And I thought this was a good choice because the scene they replaced it with that was replaced was whenever Spider was barking at the door and he opened the door and Spider ran out and Spider gets caught in the sinking mud. And Oh, I remember that in the play. Yeah. Heard the he heard the screams in the horse again. Yeah. And Spider was sinking in the mud and he had to pull him out. And while it was good for the play and great for the book it wouldn't have been good in the movie it wouldn't have been high stakes enough better use of your visuals yeah um but i am glad spider is still there just yes yeah almost dead um and then he goes back inside and there are now footprints on the ground why don't we just run away? Well, now we have nowhere to go because we've opened the door to evil. Who knows? Yeah. 
Um, and then the music box is going off again. Actually, I hate that for him. And then a small child just runs, just runs right past. I was like, nope, nope, not good. And then we see the scene you're talking about where Jeanette hangs herself. And then I said, it looks like a weeping angel's coming after him. It was yeah. a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I understand that the angel would not have been as creepy if you haven't watched Doctor Who probably because I immediately went weeping angel. Yeah. And um, yeah. So uh, then a mud creature is just coming out of the bed. And then Daly's there. Yeah. Because perfect timing. Um, so he goes with Daly and he's telling him everything that happened, obviously. Yeah. Daly's like, no, no, I don't think so. And he's like, do you not believe me? And he was like, even the most rational minds can play tricks in the dark. And I was like, that is a lot of tricks for your That's mind. That's a play. lot of tricks. That is a lot. Like, you need to be in a mental institution if all of those things happened to you and it was all your mind. Right. Like, wild. And uh, we get back and everything's on fire. It is just chaos. And um, Arthur recognizes as where Jerome lives and knows the girl's locked up downstairs. And Jerome's wife is yelling about her child and nobody will let her in. And so he just books it. He's like, this is my fault now because he's decided it's his fault. And he runs in and runs downstairs and the door is bolted still and he's trying to break in because everything's on fire. And he finally gets in, he opens the door, he sees the girl and he's like, let me help you. And you see the woman in the side, she looks over, you see the woman in black, she looks back and just throws down a gasoline and just lights on fire. That is probably one of the most vicious things I've ever seen in a movie. She just threw the kerosene lamp into the flames and engulfed herself. As a child. Yeah. Yeah. That was insane. Insane. And so I went to pages left. I'm trying to make sure. I know we're going like ages. It's um, fine. We already warned people this was going to be a long episode. We did. Um, now we're back at the dailies. And um, he's cleaning his face with what looks like dirty water. So I'm not sure how clean his face is getting. But that's fine. Um, and then we learn that they just always lose children. Um, he's talking to Mrs. Daly, who is explaining they're, uh, they're standing outside of the grave. At this yeah. point. And she's telling him, you know, how it goes. She's telling him how Nathaniel died. And then it turns out she actually is channeling her son. And he's like, she's coming the woman is coming and it's so scary and poor mrs daly is not a lunatic she is just like possessed child it is and in her possession drawing like freaking out she draws another picture and this time the picture is the same picture that his son drew him yes which is fucking terrifying and this is also the first time anyone explained to him how the woman in black works. No one, like, they've left hints. They've said, like, don't go there. This is bad. Miss Daly's like, look, this is what happens step by step. And he's like, oh, I never would have gone. I was like, yeah, if you wouldn't have just shunned him when he walked into the town, 
none of this would have happened. Correct. And um, he decides that he knows how to fix everything and goes back to Ilmarsh. This is a whole new scene from the book. This is very different from the book. Yes. Goes back to Ilmarsh and decides he's going to reunite the woman in black with her child. Yeah, I think from here on out, we are completely not related to the book anymore. Yes, yes, I think you're correct. Um, so he starts digging for this body. And in and, and this scene, okay, my notes about this scene were that for the first time in the whole movie, there's no music at all. Uh, and it was actually more terrifying. It like was, they have some, they have some incidental music as he gets closer when he finds the body, right. but he's digging through the mud and there's not an ounce of background sound. And it is even creepier than if there were music. Yeah. And I was like, this scene must have been hard to shoot. Like could not have been fun to shoot. No. Um, but lo and behold, he finds the boy and he, uh, takes so they dig out the boy and everything and take him inside and um he's setting him up on the bed to try and get him ready for the woman and we go back to daily who starts seeing things in the shadows and against his own advice starts following the shadows well because he thinks it's his kid he thinks it's his son and i was like you took up with a straight up loony my dude yeah and so he walks into a room where he thinks his son is and he gets locked in there. And um, Arthur has turned on all of the toys to like, I guess, call her. And so she would come and see her child and stop killing everyone. And so he can't hear daily screams. And um, she's at the end of the hall and he's trying to like coax her in and she's not coming. And then finally, finally, she does and um at this point even arthur was like zero percent phased by the rocking chair he like does not care and i was like okay i'd still be creeped out but fine yeah and um the visuals in this next scene when all the lights start going out down the hall and then it is just incredible i loved that scene i understand Mm -hmm. that probably wasn't the most difficult thing to do, but it but was, just it, it was done so well that I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah. she just starts whispering and going around and she's like, never forgive. I was like, okay. That's well, well, no. So before that, what happens is she does find the kid and there's this like scream and it's freaky. And then all the lights go back on and Arthur's like, Oh, we did it. Everything is done. She's gone. And then the lights start going off and you hear her voice and you're like, Oh fuck. Nope. It's not over. It's never over. Never over. So then he's rushing back to the train station because he's trying to get to his child so that he does not die. Because that has been what's been um, predicted. Yeah. And uh, the first train station's completely closed. And he's like, we're never going to make it in time. Oh, this was to send a telegram to have them not come. Yes. yes. The, the, the telegram was when it was closed. But that was before this. That was way before he went, ended up going to the train station. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And so this now time he does actually just go to the train station. Right. To meet up with the nanny and his son. 
Yeah. And he's so excited. His son is there. Everything is fine. He's holding his hand. He's talking to Daly. He's getting ready to jump back on the train. The nanny's buying new tickets to head straight home. And then the most heartbreaking second when his son lets go of his hand and he doesn't realize. And I was like, oh my goodness. And you have what feels like an eternity to see what's going to happen. But like, this is probably a 30 second long scene that feels like I just watched for two hours waiting. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was so suspenseful and sad even before you like knew what happened and the first, the first time i saw this movie this ending fucked me all the way up like i could not believe what i had just watched so in the original test of this movie this is a trivia fact i have for you um the scene ended with them dying point blank they got hit by the train end of movie the test audiences said that was too disturbing because mm-hmm. it was it was and that's why they had him reunited with his wife and the mother which i i liked i don't think it was necessary but i do like that it kind of like gave you some feeling of it not all being for naught i do like it and i think it, it at least made me think about the woman in black a little more because i was like he reunited her with his with her son and it felt like she was doing the same thing for him Yes, except then there's one more scene. (laughs) Well, okay. So in this scene, the suspenseful scene, there's so many things happening. The little boy is going to the train. The train is coming by. You see all the dead kids on the train. The woman is on the platform. The nanny is screaming. Sam is screaming. Arthur's running to get it. And there's this moment where everyone's crying. And then the train goes by and you don't see anything. And then you just see Arthur holding his son and there's like a split second where you think he saved the kid and broke the curse. And then you see Stella and you're like, no. And it flashes over to the woman and it looks like she's almost smiling like, oh, they're united. And then her face just subtly changes. Oh, are you trying to kill everyone? Are you trying to reunite this family? Because you were reunited. What are you here for? What is happening? She will never forget. And that's the end. Never forgive. And uh, that's how this movie ended. So I do want to discuss a little bit about the book and play ending instead. Mm-hmm. Um, for moviegoers, this probably was the best ending. Yeah. It was devastating, but still a happy enough ending because he ended up with Stella. And it also gave you enough suspense that you're not perplexed by the fact that there's another movie. Right, right. But it has nothing to do. It's a whole different cast than this one. Yes. And so, like, it's fine. But in the book and the play, um, he doesn't have a child till after he's come back from Ilmarsh. Um, and he's still married to Stella, like we said. And everything is going smoothly. They, his son is six years old. Everything's fine. And one day they're out at the park in a horse and buggy on a ride. And instead of him dying, the woman in black shows up by a tree. And then the thing, the like buggy rams into a tree and his son immediately dies. Yeah. And then like 10 months later or something, his wife also dies. And so I think that that is such a powerful scene because it gives you so much hope that it takes away 
whereas you don't get the same hope in this movie. There's yeah. not ever a moment of hope, I would say, except that split second where you think he saved him. Yeah. But it's like a second. Where in this story, it's like, oh, we've gone through this whole story. We don't know that his, first, we don't know that his son died. We don't know that Stella died. We don't know like all this stuff. And then we think, so we think that he's made it out and everything's fine. And the last thing is they both die. And it is devastating. See, in the play, I think the scarier thing in the play is that you know Arthur has his stuff and he went through this and he saw all the stuff and his wife died and his son died and he just wants to get rid of this curse and he's stressed out about it. And then the, the saddest part of the play is the fact that the other guy, the actor, also sees the woman. So the curse isn't over. The curse isn't over and no one gets a happy ending. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I mean, they died, sure, but it's not like a, a sad ending for the movie. Like, I mean, all in all, it is a kind of happy ending for a horror film. So everyone's reunited and there's mm-hmm. the fancy into the tunnel look. And so like, there's just, so I miss that devastation at the end, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think it was the wrong choice. Right. I just, it's so powerful in the play and the book. Um, so with that said, who did you want to punch in the face? I mean, the woman. She sucks. So I thought you were going to say that. So I chose Sam Bailey. I know I like him. I know I've said I liked him. But he is the one who kept taking him out to the house and wouldn't tell him the whole story. And if somebody would have just said something to him before the end... All of this could have been, uh, and I feel like true. it was on Sam because Sam was the one telling him everything and telling him nothing was real. That's true. I can see that. That's why I picked Sam. Who's your MVP? Is there one? I did pick one. Can not okay. I think um, my MVP will be Mrs. Gifford for being the only person to not shun him the second he walked into town without giving any explanation. Truly. Fair. Um, I picked Mrs. Daly because that's fair. that woman has been through everything. She's the only one who straight up told him everything. Yeah. She's lost so much of her mind that I think had she been capable of telling him before, she would have. Right. Just, I mean, she just couldn't physically and mentally do it herself or she would have. Right. She- reason that all of this got solved even though it didn't like end well per se but like it never would have been answered like without her and she's been through so much and yeah god bless her so yeah that's uh my thoughts so i have some uh trivia did i discuss it all well this is fun and scary um the sound of the doll laughing um is the exact sound of bill the puppet from saul they used the same sound in both movies. I don't like it. Um, this is terrifying and would have been interesting. This one was originally planned to be done in 3D. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been... Could you imagine the scene with his hand on the window and that face if that was 3D? Oh, fuck me. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, yep, I think I've already... Probably, oh, I wrote down the, the monkeys' names. I did not know them. They're Mizaru, Kikazaru, and Iwazaru. 
the three monkeys that have the gold nose. Big nose, no, 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 did not know they had names. I did not either. So, so I wrote them down. And um, there are some fun taglines from this movie that I will be posting on social media in the coming days. Okay. So stay tuned for that. Um, this movie is excellent. It has a tie-in with all of our shows already. It has a tie-in with Bates, which made it feel like it fit perfectly. Yeah. We have such insight into the show because we've seen all the different versions of it. Yeah. Other than, I do want to go back and watch the original, like the first. Paper. Yeah, I've never seen the 1989 movie. I would need to see that. But um, if you know where to watch it and you've seen it, you should uh, let us know. <laughs> yes. Do you have any final thoughts about this movie? I love it. I also love it. It was a good one. Yeah. Um, if you have any suggestions for our next horror movie season break, you're welcome to send them throughout the next season. And um, if not, I will come up with something else I want to watch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can send us that information. Tell us your thoughts. If you hated the movie, tell us why. You can email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the social media at Death and Aliens. You can find me at CECloud13. And you can find me at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And we will see you for Sci-Fi Sunday. Bye.